Bibles tonight, turn with me to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. Um, we started verses 1 through 17 last Wednesday, and we're going to finish it today. And then, of course, Pastor Tommy's going to pick up and continue in Romans chapter number 8. As I said last week, Romans chapter number 8 is one of the one of my favorite portions of Scripture because there's so many amazing promises right there. So many amazing promises. Pastor Tommy's going to get to some of those in the next couple weeks about how God works all things out for good and how the love of God is absolutely something that uh, that, that is irresistible. But, but I'm going to finish up today on the teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, guys, we... We are Pentecostal believers. We believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe in, in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we also believe that the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you and keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> you know, if you'll just listen to what the Spirit tells you, if you'll just obey the Spirit, um, you're going to find yourself a whole lot better off for it. So um, let me read to you. I'm, I'm going to pick up reading, I believe, in verse number... Um, Verse number 11. So Romans chapter number 8, uh, we, we did verses 1 through 10 last week, and we're picking up in verse number 11. So let's pick up reading. It says this in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Be that we suffer with Him, then we will also be glorified together with Him. So again, what we've been talking about is the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pick up uh, with verse number 9, where it talked about how the Spirit dwells within us. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in your heart, okay? In fact, can't nobody get saved? I know that ain't good grammar, but you know what I'm talking about. Cannot anybody get saved without the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is what convicts you. The Holy Spirit is what shows you the truth. The Holy Spirit is who, who got your attention. You remember when the Holy Spirit got a hold to you? I remember the very first time I felt the Spirit of God really work on me, Jamie. I was at a youth convention, okay? I was just one of those outreach kids from the Franklin area that, that saw a lot of cute girls going out of town, and I said, sign me up, I'll go, okay? And Jamie, I was just there to act the fool, okay? But I remember during that service when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me for the very first time. And Jamie, I might have had some cool-looking sunglasses on. Nick, I might have had that high school letterman on like so many of us were when we were cool. But all of a sudden, I couldn't stop the tears from rolling down my cheek. Okay, I was a big old boy, tough old boy. It was really hard to make me cry, but the Holy Spirit was pretty good at it. And he dealt with me, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's maybe the first time I remember the Holy Spirit dealing with me, and obviously he has continued to deal with me ever since then. But the Holy Spirit is a real person. And the Spirit dwells within you and I as believers by putting the Spirit of Christ within us. There's so much more in these two verses that, that we want to talk about, but let's look at it right here. The power of the Spirit is seen in the word dwell. The word dwell gives the picture of a homeowner uh, or, 
the Holy Spirit dwells within you and I as believers. He makes his home. He takes up residence. He lives within you and I. And the power of the Spirit creates the glorious truth of the indwelling presence of God within us as believers. You see, the believer is said to be in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is said to dwell in the believer. The the believer is said to have the Spirit of Christ, and Christ is said to be in the believer. You see, this was Jesus' idea in John 14, verses 16 and 17, where he said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. That's what Jesus was talking about. See, Jesus had just shared with his disciples that he was going to have to go. He just said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house and many mansions. Then he said, boys, I'm about to leave here. But I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you all alone. I will send the Holy Spirit. And for now, nearly 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has dwelled in believers' lives. Paul added in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in Note how the deity of Christ is being proclaimed. The Spirit of Christ is said to indwell the believer the same as the Spirit of God. Both are said to be equally inside you and I as believers. The power of the Spirit removes the believer from being in the flesh and places him in Christ. Very simply, the believer is no longer positioned in the flesh. Not in God's eyes, not in God's accounting. The believer no longer dwells in the flesh. He no longer makes his home in the flesh. He is no longer at home, no longer comfortable with the things of the flesh. Instead, he's now in Christ. Okay? The believer is positioned in Christ. God sees and counts us as believers as being placed and positioned in his spirit. Therefore, the believer dwells in the Holy Spirit. He makes his home in the spirit, takes up his residence, and lives in the spirit. He's at home and comfortable only with the things of the Spirit or the things of God. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? New creature. Old stuff has passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. That is partly the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? The power of the Spirit identifies us as believers as being in Christ. In Christ. That's why Paul was able to write in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verses 10 and 11 also says that the Spirit gives life to the spirit of the believer. The idea of the Greek makes this verse very clear. If Christ be in you, although the body is to die because of sin, the spirit shall live because of righteousness. Very simply stated, the body of man does die, but his spirit lives forever. Why? Because we're in Christ. The spirit of Christ gives life to the spirit of man right now. The very moment that a person believes man's body is going to die because of sin, the body is corruptible, it's deteriorating, it's dying, it's in the process of dying, every one of us. But when you go, when you make your profession of faith, when you ask Christ to come into you, it changes everything. Amen? 
It changes everything. The spirit of man lives because of the righteousness and the death of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 1 Peter 2 and 24. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. Additionally, the spirit of man lives by living a righteous and a godly life. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 21, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, guys, it's just not enough to ask Christ into your life, okay? The easy thing is to respond to an altar call. The easy thing is when I give an altar call every Sunday, as you all know I will, that the easy thing is to lift your hand and to repeat after me. That's the easy thing. But after that, it gets a little more challenging. Okay? Because once you begin in Christ, you have to stay in Christ. And that means you have to do what Christ wants you to do. You have to no longer fulfill the lusts of the flesh, but you have to walk in the Spirit. And that's really what we want to talk about tonight. Walking in the Spirit. See, look, I love us being Pentecostal. I am as Pentecostal as I come. And I love people being full of the Spirit. But if I had a choice of somebody being full of the Spirit or led by the Spirit, guess which one I'm picking? Okay? Because I've met some tongue talkers who, <clears throat> whose walk didn't follow their talk. Okay? Who acted one way on church on Sunday and a whole other way at work on Monday. Wait a second, preacher. You hear about that stuff? Yeah, I hear about that stuff. Okay? <laughs> By the way, I'm your friend on Facebook. You know, back 20 years ago, you really had to pray about what's going on in people's lives. Now today, you just stroll on their story. <laughs> you just see what's going on, okay? When you check in at the bar on Saturday night, it gives me an idea that you're probably not doing an outreach. Okay? When, when you check in at the casino, I, it gives me bad vibes, okay? So again, I don't need the Holy Spirit to, 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 to cue me in on that. But here's the deal. Why am I talking about this? Because you've got to be led by the Spirit. Don't you go anywhere that the Spirit tells you not to go to? Don't you do anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit? In fact, the Bible tells us not to do that. Grieve not a Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ gives life to you and I. Okay? And because of that life, we no longer do the things we used to do. The Spirit of man lives by living a righteous and a godly life. Romans 6. Remember what Paul taught us in Romans 6, verses 17 and 18? But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you are now servants of righteousness. Guys, Jesus set us free from sin. Stop going back to that nonsense. Stop acting a fool like you used to. The Spirit of man has given us uh, the Spirit of Christ has given us life and that too. The Spirit of Christ also quickens the mortal body in the future, in the great day of redemption. Two things to note. The word quicken means to make alive, to give life, to cause life to come into, to renew, to remake. Even the babies get excited about this. The mortal body shall be quickened and made alive. The mortal body is the same body that died. The person is the very same person. The mortal body is given a totally new life. Our elements are recreated and remade into a perfect and eternal body. The new body is given the power and energy of eternal elements. All will be rearranged so that the mortal body becomes an immortal body. 
Preacher, you have to prove that one to me. Paul does in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 42 through 44. He says this, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Continuing with verses... 50 through 53. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. By the way, that's the nursery verse. Anybody ever heard that one? The nursery verse. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Okay, I I took that out of context, but look, I should have stopped at my first church by Brother Vernon. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal put on immortality. And there are two great assurances of the believer's resurrection. Number one, Jesus did it. Okay? Jesus' resurrection. We celebrated that just about a month ago, Easter Sunday morning. It's not about new dresses, even though you ladies look great in your new dresses. It's not about Easter egg hunts, even though our kids love Easter egg hunts. It's not even about chocolate, even though I like chocolate. Okay? It's about the resurrection. It is the Super Bowl Sunday for believers. It is the day that sets the Christian faith apart from everybody else. Why? Because Jesus literally rose from the dead. And because he did, the Bible says the same spirit that dwells in him, guess where it dwells? In you, Miss Robin, and in you, Miss Earlene, and in you, Jamie, and in me, and in each and every one of us as believers. And the second assurance we have of the resurrection is the Holy Spirit. The, the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. The very same Spirit who raised Christ shall raise you and I. He is the power and the energy of life, and He dwells in every one. Now, let's continue with verses 12 and 13. It says, The Spirit gives the power to mortify or put to death evil deeds. So how do we live holy? How do we live holy in in, in an unholy world? How do we do right the Holy Spirit of God? Amen? Believers are in debt to the Spirit, not to the flesh. The word debtors means to be obligated, to owe, to be bound by some duty. Believers are not in debt to the flesh. The flesh has done nothing good for the man. In fact, contrary, it's done a lot of bad, okay? Think about how much the flesh has gotten you in trouble, dude. Think about how much the flesh has gotten me in trouble. Think about how much your mouth has gotten you in trouble, Cajun. By the way, I can talk about you because I are one, okay? You know, sometimes we Cajuns don't have much of a filter, now do we? Okay? Guess what? The Holy Spirit will act as a filter if you'll let him. You know, I like to say, if you think I'm offensive by what I say, you ought to see what I choose not to say. You got to see what the Holy Spirit goes, no, I don't say that. Okay? Because some of the things I say can kind of rub you the wrong way. You got to see the things I don't say. You know what, guys? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives to help us. Stop fighting against the Holy Spirit. But we owe the flesh nothing. But we owe God everything. Amen? Remember what Jesus said, or what Paul wrote in Romans chapter number 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. See, guys, we cannot please God in the flesh. We cannot consistently please God if we're in the flesh. The only way to please God is to be in the Spirit, to operate by faith. 
Romans 8, 13. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 6 and 8, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So what do you want? Corruption or life everlasting? That's a pretty easy question, right? Believers, you and I are in debt, not to the flesh, but to the Spirit. It is the Spirit who has done so much in our lives. The Spirit to whom we are indebted. The Spirit of life, the Spirit of God, rather, is the Spirit of life. It's the Spirit that set us free from sin and death. It fulfills righteousness in us. It pulls our minds towards spiritual things. It gives us life and peace. It, it, it just confirms to us that we are children of God. It is the Spirit who has done so much for us, and that's why we're in debt to the Spirit and not to the flesh. Now, did you know that believers have a part in determining our own faith? See, there's a part for us to play. There's a role for the Spirit to play, but there's a part for you to play as well. Okay, it's real easy for you to take from this, hey, I'm just going to let God do it all. Well, that's a good idea, but there's some things, John, he's going to want you to do. Yeah, I remember hearing one time that you ought, to, you ought to pray like only God can and work like only you can. Okay? You want your business to grow? I know you do. You've got a great business. By the way, if you ever need a taxi, there you go. Okay? The original Uber. He's the Uber of Franklin. Okay? By the way, I wouldn't trust no Ubers in Franklin. I'd trust John's taxi service. So. Okay? <laughs> do you remember the days when we wouldn't, we wouldn't give the time of day to a stranger? Now you go on an app and have a stranger pick you up. Well, that's strange, isn't it? That just kind of makes me nervous. Okay. But, John, you want your business to grow? Pray and pray the blessings of God over your business, but then be the best worker in the business, too. Amen? God doing his part, you doing your part, it's a guarantee for success. But you and I as believers have a part to play. Here's the part. Here's the, here's the point. If a man lives after the flesh, he will die because the flesh dies. The flesh is doomed. It dies. Therefore, if a man chooses to live after the flesh, to do his own thing, to fulfill the life of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, that's a recipe for destruction because Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. However, here's your part to play. If a man mortifies or puts to death the deeds of his body, he will live. You see, guys, our role in this is crucifying the flesh. What does that mean? It means doing what the Lord wants you to do. Responding how the Lord wants you to respond. You know what, you know what I've learned? My, my wife is a health coach, and she's helped me lose a little weight, okay? And I pretty much figured this out. If it tastes good, I probably shouldn't be Okay? How many can relate? Okay? By the way, Sunday's jambalaya is going to taste really, really, really good. Okay? So though you try to drop a pound or two, you might want to eat before you come. Okay? But I've learned if it tastes really good, John, I probably shouldn't be eating it. Okay? Let me help you something with your spiritual walk. If your flesh really, really wants to do it, I don't know if you should do it. <laughs> if your flesh really, really craves doing it, you might want to pray about should you be doing it or not. Okay? Again, because there are things that your flesh wants, and then there's things that your spirit wants. And we need to feed the spirit. I remember those little cartoons where they had the little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. That is really kind of cute, and it's kind of comical, and oftentimes it's like, should I do the good thing, the bad thing, and, you know, however the cartoon goes. There's really a spiritual analogy to that. Because, guys, who are you listening to? Who are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? Who are you taking advice from? 
Are you taking advice from the hood? How's that working for you? Are you taking advice from people who love you and care about you and want what's best for you? Are you listening to the spirit or are you listening to your sisters? Sometimes they ain't saying the same things. So again, guys, we've got to be led by the spirit. And part of our job is to put this flesh to death. The deeds of the body means those evil deeds. I don't need to tell you what's right and wrong. You already know. But you've got to, do, you've got to not do those things. To mortify means to put to death. The idea is denying, subjecting, subduing. By the way, I was doing a great job of subduing, subduing my flesh and eating well this week. Then I went to the Minister's Alliance meeting yesterday at Christ Gospel. And those folks make the best desserts I've ever seen in my life. Okay? And I'm not even going to tell you how many of your husband ate, there. Okay? And then at the very end, to make it even worse, they said, y'all can take all this home. Guys, I stuffed as many little pecan tarts into a one-quart plastic bag. It was overflowing, okay? You know what I did with the overflow? I just ate them, okay? Okay? And then last, I, I hit them at the office. Look, I know I'm sinning because I hit them at the office. I didn't even want to take them home, okay? And I said, you know what? Let me bring them home so the boys can eat them. Because the boys eat anything, right? Well, I went get them and I ate two on the way home. How do you do that? Okay? And then, then I got Chantel to eat some too, okay? <laughs> they were that good, okay? But here's the deal. That's all fun and games, and at the end of the day, that doesn't matter much. But how many times do you do the same thing spiritually? There are things that you do and you know you shouldn't. There are things that you've seen in the Word of God not to do, and you still do it. There are things your mama has told you don't you do, and you still do it. So, you know, we make fun when Pastor Mo eats a few pecan tarts, but that didn't affect me spiritually. But some of the things some of us do on a regular basis, it's killing you spiritually. Stop it. Stop it. Do what the Spirit tells you to do. Mortify your body. Crucify it. Put it to death. Because Romans chapter number 8, verse 13 is so true. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body... You shall live. And here's the key. Here's the key. Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Guys, you want to live a holy life? Walk in the Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything to grieve Him. Verse 14 tells us, oh, i got to hurry up. Pastor Tommy's going to have to finish this next Wednesday. The Spirit also leads us as believers. Okay? There are several ideas in the, in the Greek word lead. There's the idea of carrying and bearing along, bearing our burdens. There's the idea of leading and guiding us. There's the idea of directing us on a course and bringing us along to the very end. This is one of the great powers of the Holy Spirit. The power to lead us as believers to become involved in this life, to become everything God wants us to become. Amen? Sunday, I'm going to preach a message on the seasons of life. And, of course, we're recognizing all of our graduates, so many of them are coming to a close of one season, a beginning of the other. Here's the one great thing about all those seasons. The Holy Spirit is in every season. Amen? You can trust God through every season. The good times, the bad times, the ups, the downs, the difficult times, the challenging times, the glorious times. The Holy Spirit is with you through all the seasons. Why? Because He's going to be with you to the very end. When Jesus said, I'll send you a comforter, that comforter was coming not to, not to just be with us a little while. He was coming to stick around to the very end. Amen? John 16 and 13. 
Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Now, as I wrap things up, verse number 15, the Spirit also adopts us as believers. This is an exciting part right here, guys. The Spirit delivers man from a terrible spirit, the spirit of bondage. Know what the spirit, what the bondage is. It is fear. Man is gripped by a bondage of fear, by, by, by thinking that God is out to get him. You know, I was at a, a funeral this past weekend, and my good friend Packy Thompson was preaching. And, and, and Packy grew up in church, but, but he kind of got a, maybe a, a distorted picture of who God was. He said, I always felt that God was out to get me. I always thought that any moment God would just zap me and say, I'm done with you. Well, you know what, guys? God's not, not out to get you unless he's trying to get you saved. Okay? Unless he's trying to get you to come back home. Unless he's trying to get your attention. Because God is out to love you. God is out to care about you. He's got plans and purposes for our lives. And the Holy Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. The point is this. The Holy Spirit delivers believers from all bondages. How? By adoption. By actually adopting the believer as a son of God. John 1 and 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Spirit also gives access to God's presence. The believer has access to the God because he has been adopted as a son of God. Guess what, guys? Children have special access. Okay? Today, I, I, I walked out of the bathroom in my office, and guess who was sitting on my couch? My son. Okay? Did he have to announce? Did he have to set an appointment? No, he didn't even have to knock. I wish he kind of would have, but he didn't have to. Why? Because he's my son. He has special access. When I came over to church, so Sarah, your boys were having the time of their life in your husband's office, okay? I heard them before I walked in my office. It was like the folk jungle gym, okay? Why? Because they're children. They have special access to the Father. Guess what? In the same sense, you and I as children of God have special access to we have special access to the Heavenly Father. And how often do we not take advantage of that? Guys, if you get one thing out of this message today, take advantage of who you are. Take advantage of the opportunity that you have as a child of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. Go to God in prayer. Go to God for wisdom. Go to God when you're in trouble. Go to God, period. God's Spirit gives you access to Him. Remember what Romans chapter number 5 said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 and 3, For through him we have access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 2, 18, and then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And then the great promise of Hebrews chapter number 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time. Another great power of the Holy Spirit is the power to bear witness with our spirit. 
He bears witness before truth. Number one, the Holy Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. Guys, you are in the right family. You know what? If you've been down here long enough, you've realized that there are benefits to being in the right family, right? You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, okay? And that's not just the case in Louisiana, that's the case anywhere, okay? Being in the right family has its benefits. Well, I've got good news for you, Jamie Mountain. You're in the family of God. You're in the best family with all the benefits you could ever have. Being in the family of God is an amazing place to be. And the Spirit of God bears witness. Bears witness that we are His children. Bears witness that God loves us. Bears witness that we are His children. Bears witness that, that He is for us and not against us. He's not out to get us. He's out to get us closer to Him. And that's the Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit also bears witness that we are heirs of God. You see, one of the benefits of being in the family is, is you're an heir. Okay? You know, um, as an only child, one day I'm going to inherit everything from my earthly parents. Okay? That's a benefit of being a son. Well, guess what, guys? There are benefits to being a child of God. You are an heir of God. You are an heir with Christ. Think about everything that Christ is entitled to. You have a part in that as well. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to that. That we are heirs of eternal life. That we are heirs of salvation. That we are heirs to the promises made to Abraham. Go home and read Hebrews chapter number 11, that great faith chapter that talks about all the promises. All those promises to those great men and women of faith, they're to you as well. Why? Because you are heirs with Christ. We are heirs of His glory. Romans 8 and 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so that be we suffer with them, we will also be glorified together. You know, there's one little part in that scripture we don't like too much, that suffering part. But guess what, guys? Just as much as God is with us on the mountaintop, He's with us in the valley. You know what I've learned? I'm 45 years old now, and, and um, there are things you learn in the valley that you can only learn in there are some things that, that if we just went from mountaintop to mountaintop, and we used to talk about going from glory to glory, guess what? You would miss something. You'd miss something about yourself, and you'd miss a whole lot about God. I don't know about you, but, but if I had a choice of God being with me on the mountaintop or God being with me in the valley, Kate, I know which one I'd pick. Because on the mountaintop, I'm feeling pretty good. When things are going well, I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm blowing and going. But it's in the valley. I really need. It's in the valley. I really need somebody body. And that's where the Holy Spirit does His greatest work. Amen? And that's some of the benefits that you have as children of God. The Holy Spirit also bears witness that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Let me read to you just a little bit about some of the things that you have as an inheritance as a child of God. The believer, you and I, is a joint heir with Christ. This is an outstanding truth and promise. We shall all in, we, we shall inherit all that God has and all that Christ is and has, okay? Now, being a fellow heir with Christ means three glorious things. Let's look at this. Number one, uh, this is a little chart I'm going to read to you that just should encourage you, okay? We are fellow heirs by His nature. You see, Christ is the Son of God. The very being, the energy of life and perfection. Therefore, we shall 
We share an inheritance of His nature. We receive adoption as sons of God. The sinless nature of being blameless. We, we inherit eternal life, lasting possessions, a glorious body, eternal glory, honor, and peace, eternal rest and peace, a crown that will last forever, an incorruptible body, a righteous being. That's what we inherit by Christ's nature. Now, by Christ's position, Christ is the exalted Lord, the sovereign majesty of the universe, seated at the right hand of the Father today. Because of that, you and I inherit a position as well. A position as exalted beings, a citizenship in the kingdom of God, enormous treasures in heaven, unsearchable riches, the right to surround the throne of God, the position of a king, a priest, a position of glory. That's because of the position of Christ. This is something we inherit. And then finally, we inherit things by responsibility. Christ is the sovereign majesty of the universe, the one who has ordained to rule and oversee all. Therefore, we share in the inheritance of his responsibility. We receive the rulership over many things, the right to rule and hold authority, eternal responsibility and joy, the right to rule with authority over cities, thrones, and the privilege of reigning forever. These passages give us a little bit of an idea of everything that is is inherent to being a child of God. But here's the greatest scripture I can think about. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, and I close with this. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Guys, that's a promise. That's a promise to you. It's a promise to me. It's a promise to all of us as children of God. Now, we talk about that having an internal context, and it does. But guess what? God has some good things prepared for us on this earth as well. Amen? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life, and that to the fullest, the abundant life. And so many times, because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, we're living anything but the abundant life. But friend, God wants you to live the abundant life. God wants you to be blessed. God wants his faith. Remember Sunday I talked to you about God's love language? What is God's love language? Obedience. And blessings follow obedience. Do what God tells you to do. Do what the Spirit tells you to do. You do realize that'll be one and the same. Okay? The Spirit ain't going to tell you something that is contrary to the Word. The Spirit won't tell you something that's contrary to the will of God because the Spirit of God is the third member of the Trinity. They're in unity. They're going to say the same things. They're going to do the same things, guys. You and I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and He wants to guide us and lead us unto all righteousness. Friends, let's stop working against the Holy Spirit and start working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and watch your life make a turn for the better. Amen?